Amen. Thank you so much, Sherry and, and Heidi and Emily and Olivia for that be- beautiful song. It's true. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and everything else he will provide. We're in the second section of our Steps to Christ series here at Village Church. And in this series, we're building a framework of doing life as disciples of Jesus. Two weeks ago, we started what I called the second portion of our series, where we are focusing on specific practices, things that we can do to grow in Jesus, to grow in God's grace. And we started with the thought of co-work, which is not a word, but it, it means that we, as we serve others in God's name, we grow in God's image. We grow more and more like Him. And that Sabbath, I asked if you might pray every day this prayer. Lord Jesus, as it would please you, please bring me someone today whom I can serve. Now, I know it's hard in this COVID-19 pandemic to serve people in the ways that we oftentimes have thought of, but, but there are ways. I'm sure you're doing that. I know a number of people that are a part of our faith community that are doing wonderful works that way, and you're going to be hearing more about that in the future through our Village Voice uh, newsletter and other ways, but amazing things that you're doing and others are doing creatively to to help others. Then we grow in Christ. We grow in God, in His grace, in His image as we do that. This week, uh, we will go to the second step and what we could call the most, one of the most powerful practices in the Christian toolbox for being reformed, transformed into God's image. Let's pray together as we step into that. Father in heaven, Bless us now through the ministry of your spirit here in this place as this small group is gathered and in everyone's home or wherever this broadcast or live stream finds them. Lord, speak to us now by your spirit. Send your mighty angels to be near and guiding each one of us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. We're very serious about purity, (laughs) especially these days with the COVID-19 pandemic. We've learned again and again that very simple practice of washing our hands and and social distancing. And and every time I, I get home from somewhere, the practice in our home is to wipe down everything with special disinfectant cloths. Um, when my son comes home from his work at White Memorial Hospital down in Los Angeles, he strips to his underwear in the garage, puts his clothes in the washing machine with, I'm sure, the right stuff, and then dashes without saying anything to anyone or touching anything into the shower because he wants to make sure that... um, Things are clean and there are no viruses in his home. You probably noticed that we're being very careful here at Village Church in our worship service, although hardly anyone's here. We're wiping down each microphone after we use them. And uh, we are serious about purity. 
We don't want to spread infection. You don't want to spread infection. We want everyone to be safe. You know, the truth of the matter is, God has purity standards too. He invites us as his followers to be devirused. I know that's not a word, but I like to make up things like that. He wants us to be devirused or cleansed of sin in some straightforward words that James, Jesus' brother, spoke. He said this, come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands. There it is, even in the Bible. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your your hearts, you double-minded. Let's pause for a moment at that word, double-minded. That's our challenge, really. That's our disease, if you will. We're double-minded. It's like being infected, being a carrier not of the coronavirus, but of the world, of the world's loyalties, of the world's ways. We are infected with that. Occasionally in life, we catch a glimpse of someone who is totally focused on one thing, a singleness of purpose that moves them to a goal and gives focus and consistency to their choices and their commitment. This time of year, it would be normal for the NBA to be having their playoffs or sometime soon. And without a doubt, one player would have been on the court at some time or another, and that would have been LeBron James. Now, if you don't know anything about basketball, that's fine. But LeBron is, of course, a professional basketball player, and he plays among the best, but he's one of the best of the best. What makes him one of the best of the best, you might ask? And that is his commitment to improving, to developing his skills. You think that after 18 years in professional basketball that he'd slack off just a bit, but it's his singleness of purpose to be the best that pushes him to go beyond, to continually improve. That's just the opposite of a divided heart. A divided heart is the disease that afflicts every human spirit. And it's typified by multiple priorities that pull us this way and that way. We all have this. Every follower of Jesus, every person in life knows this struggle. Kind of like a wave in the sea pulled close to Jesus then pulled away from Jesus. We have roadblocks in our lives. We have unsurrendered issues in our hearts. We have unyielded interests. We long to be servants, but the comfort of that lounge chair just gets the best of us. We'd like to be humble, but we wonder, will anyone notice? And we go back and forth with this. We have divided hearts. It's a miserable way to live. It's not the way that God intended that we live. He wants us to have the fullness of joy and peace and wisdom and strength to be found in pursuing just one thing. Just one thing. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness And all these things, everything else will be added to, just as these ladies sang. 
God has a plan. God has a plan for you, for me, to save us from this double-mindedness, from this plague of shallow living, from this infection of sin, and a plan to shape us into His image. And it happens with power through His Word, through His Word. Yeah, God makes Himself known to us in many ways. Nature is a beautiful way. God speaks to us of His goodness and teaches us lessons of trust and love from nature. God uses experiences, our own experiences in life through the influence of His Spirit to teach us and transform us. Yes, God uses that. But the primary agent of God's transformation into His image is the Word of God made living through the life-giving Spirit of God. That's what David said. David said that's what purified his heart. In Psalm 119, verse 11, he said, I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. The mind renewed by the Spirit of God as we contemplate the teachings of His Word. Paul talked about this when he wrote to the church in Ephesus. Now, his discussion was husbands and wives. But interestingly, he used the analogy of the cleansing that comes through his word in talking about husbands and wives. This is what it says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 to 27. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and present, to, and present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. The church community, the community of God's loving, God's honoring people, are to be washed, this verse says, through the Word, through the cleansing of the Word. You might say, what does that mean? How are we cleansed by, by the Word? Well, maybe we have a little bit better idea of that today than ever before because of the COVID-19 on the loose, and everyone, everyone, it seems, is giving us instruction on how to wash our hands. You know, how it goes, bullet points. Wet your hands, turn off the tap, apply soap, lather your hands, rubbing them together with soap. On and on it goes, telling us, lather the back of your hands, lather the front of your hands, lather under your nails, scrub your hands for at least 20 seconds, and then they tell you and me, to sing a song. I googled it to see what songs there might be available to sing, and in 0.58 seconds, I got 144 million. 144 million responses. There's all sorts of them. For example, like there's hand washing to the tune of Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. It goes like this. Twinkle, twinkle, little star, look how clean my two hands are. <laughs> or this one, hand-washing to the tune of row, row, row your boat. This is how it goes. Wash, wash, wash your hands. Wash the nice and clean. Rub and scrub, scrub and rub. Germs go down the drain. Hey, <laughs> I know, that's corny. But we're learning all sorts of things to wash and clean. There's even one that's a knockoff of the song, If You're Happy and You Know It. It goes like this, if you're dirty and you know it, wash your hands. 
<laughs> okay, enough of that. So, what does it mean to be washed by the Word? I come to God. I come to God like a man who has COVID-19 infected hands. That's who I am. My mind is cluttered with infectious destroyers, dirty stuff, false ideas, false ideas about you, false ideas about me, false ideas about who God is. I come to God with skewed attitudes, hurts, and hurt feelings. I had come to God with misguided plans, misguided hopes, misguided fears. Someone compared my mind, the mind of any human being, as a banana tree filled with clamoring monkeys. Think of that for a moment. That's how our brains are. It's cluttered with things that are trying to get our attention. How can I get ahead? Is that person trying to hurt me? How will I handle this problem? All these things going on inside our minds. And then there are darker things too. False thoughts, desires that lead to sin. They're subtle. They're relentless. And many of them are eluding even our attention. One person compared these subtle sinister thoughts to something less charming than monkeys in a banana tree. He likened them to maggot eggs that incubate in the soil of our fallenness. Mm. That's what it is. One moment, I want to hear from God. The next moment, I'm thinking of ways that I can tell someone about that so that I can impress them. One moment, I want to be generous. And the next, I'm concerned about my things, and I'm hoarding and coveting. One moment, I want a servant heart. And the very next moment, I'm driven by self-seeking heart. Paul cried out. He faced this himself, and he said, Romans chapter 7, verse 24, 25, Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free, from me, free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? And then he said this beautiful refrain, Thanks be to God. The answer is Jesus Christ our Lord. He gives us the victory through Jesus Christ. God's desire is that. God's plan is that. I wash my hands, my heart, of all the debris that keeps me from being completely His. And it happens by the washing of His Word. The washing of His Word. Spiritual transformation is the work of the Word of God, inspired by the Spirit of God. And it happens as this message of Jesus Christ, with all its richness, saturates my mind. Jesus said it this way, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. God sets us free through his truth. It's not about good feelings. It's not about close encounters. Spiritual transformation is the work of God's spirit through God's word. And that's what Paul says 
in another famous passage that I have used and quoted so many times, but not so often for myself. Here's what Paul said. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correction, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Oftentimes when I've read those words, I've thought, okay, I'm going to use the Word of God to teach you. I'm going to use the God to, Word of God to rebuke you, to, to correct you, to train. But what it's saying is for me, for me to be rebuked. Yes, yes, I can, it, it, it's, can be used the other way as well, but primarily it's, it's for me to be taught and disciplined and corrected as the Spirit of God speaks to me. Paul doesn't say that the purpose of Scripture is so that we can get 100% on our entrance requirement to heaven. That's not the reason for Scripture. The purpose for Scripture is for me to be, me to be instructed, for me to be rebuked, for me to be corrected and trained, transformed, essentially into a person through whom goodness flows like water. That's what God wants for me. That's what He wants for you. God's plan, His way, is that through His Word, our minds can be transformed. So filled with thoughts of truth, so filled with thoughts of love and justice and humility that our, our world and our lives becomes, well, really, it becomes an uninterrupted sequence of, of grace and moral beauty lived out in us by God's power and strength. Every moment becoming a, a reflection of the kingdom of God in a human life. That's what God wants. Imagine with me, just for a moment, imagine with me having a mind so cleansed of all the debris that blocks our best of intentions. Imagine a mind like that. Imagine a mind, imagine a time, if you will, when you saw another person and the first thought that comes into your mind is to pray for that person. Imagine, imagine if you would being anxious or, or challenged, but then immediately finding hope and peace in God and reflexively just turning to Him for strength. Imagine, if you would, if you're a man, looking at a woman and immediately thinking that this person is my sister, this person is my daughter, my daughter in God. And letting my, my thoughts be carried that direction. Imagine, imagine genuinely wishing that your enemies would be well. That your competition would be praised. That's what God wants for us through His Word. Through the washing of His Word. Now you might ask, what can I do? I mean, I've read the Bible. You have read the Bible, I'm sure, on occasion. What can we do? What are some helpful practices? I want to just share with you a few as we finish up today. First of all, before you even begin to read the Bible, pause, pause for a moment and ask for God to speak to you, really speak to you. Pray that the Holy Spirit will give you thoughts, will direct your mind to avenues that, that God would have you. And then, 
and then read the Bible, really anticipating and expecting that God is going to talk to you through His Word. It's His Word to you. He's a living God. That's His Word. Why wouldn't He? Why wouldn't He talk to you through His Word? It's His instruction book to you for life. He's alive to interpret it for you, to apply it in you, to empower you through it. That's what God wants to do. You know, through the centuries, God's Word has transformed lives. People have met God in it and through His Word. And God is still speaking to people. He's speaking to you. He's speaking to me through His Word. I read a story about a, a lady named Eileen. Eileen. She was upset. Someone was talking to her daughter about God, and she didn't like that. Eileen was unhappy with life. She didn't want to have anything to do with God whatsoever. That night, she couldn't sleep. Couldn't sleep, so at 12 o'clock, at midnight, she got up, found a Bible in her home. There was one there. Took it down off the shelf. She couldn't ever remember opening the Bible on her own at any, any other time in her life. She opened it and found that there was a new and an old, and she thought, well, the new is probably an updated version, so she thought she'd start there. And by 3 o'clock, she was in the middle of the Gospel of John, and she found, as she put it, that she had fallen in love with the character of Jesus So right there, she prayed to God. God, I don't know what I'm doing, but I know you're what I want. I don't know what I'm doing, but I know you're what I want. And in the Bible, she encountered Jesus Christ. And that's what God wants to do for each and every one of us. The message of God's word is not that the kingdom of God is coming. <laughs> it's that it has arrived. It has arrived in Jesus Christ, and He's there for us, for you and me. And so as you read, do it expecting that God is going to speak to you. Not audibly, but He's going to speak to you through His Word, through stories, through verses. And so as you read, let, let the Word speak to you. Let the Word impress you. Let the verses bring conviction to your heart. Let it speak to you. Let, let the story prompt you to take action and be open to what, what God is speaking, what He's really speaking to you through His Word. That's number one. Secondly, read the Word. This is sort of like the first one, but to emphasize it again, read the Word with an openness. In other words, be willing to surrender. Be willing to confess. Be willing to repent. Be willing to be vulnerable as you read His Word. Read it wisely. But read it for transformation, not information. Information is good. Don't get me wrong in that. Information is important. Knowing the stories of the Bible, knowing the sequence, the history, and all those things is, is of utmost importance. But to be filled with Bible knowledge, the, but to be unwashed by Bible truth is worse than not knowing anything at all. 
Jesus was accosted continually by watchdogs of doctrinal truth. These people knew it all. They prided themselves in how well they knew and how well they could teach and how much they knew. I've met a few of these who know and think they know what I ought to know. I've met a few, and I've been that way myself. Jesus said of me and of that spirit, you study the scriptures diligently. This is John 5, 39. You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. Religious leaders in in Jesus' day were some of his fiercest critics. They thought their knowledge of Scripture was evidence of their spiritual depth. They never allowed, however, the Word of God to really purge their judgmentalism from them. So they didn't even recognize when they saw the author of the Word Third principle, as you read God's word, is it's better to go deep than wide. (laughs) In other words, immerse yourself in a passage of Scripture. Don't make it your goal to read a certain number of verses. In other words, finish it and you're done. Read it slowly. Read it slowly. Read it two times. Read it three times in one sitting, that section. Read it like it's a letter to you from someone you love and someone who loves you. Read it it that way and ask God as you read it, what do you want to say to me in this moment through this word, through your spirit? Ask God that. Now, if you're anything like me, you're going to have to adjust your attitude just a bit. For almost 50 years, I've been reading the Bible, and I made it a practice to read through the Bible every year, through the Bible, cover to cover. And I have been richly blessed year after year. But many times, I have to just admit to you, many times my ambition to finish the Word has sabotaged God's real purpose in the Word to change me, to make me in His image. So read it thinking, knowing that God God wants to speak to you. He wants to renew you. He wants to renew me through His Word. And by the way, that doesn't happen by reading it quickly, by skimming the surface like a bee. You've got to be like that bee that lands on a flower and then dives deep into the center to receive the nectar, that sweet juice that comes from within, from God's Word through His Spirit speaking to you. I I love the way Steps to Christ puts this thought. It encourages me in this regard. It says, one passage studied until its significance is clear to the mind and its relation to the plan of salvation is evident is of more value than the perusal of many chapters with no definite purpose in view and positive instruction gained. Did you get that? Isn't that something? It's important, yes, to be familiar with with the Bible, the whole Bible. It's it's in. It's, it's important to be able to understand the broad range of, of subjects and, and teaching, 
to know the big story, yes. But reading for transformation, not information, happens slower. It takes more time. My job is to stick there in that reading for as long as it takes to learn what God has for me in that place for this day. And then, do what he says. Listen to his voice. Be obedient to his call. The way to transformation is not knowledge. Knowledge of the Bible, important, vital, but knowledge itself is not spiritual transformation. When Paul told the Christians in Rome to be transformed by the renewing of your minds, he was thinking not about getting more information. He was talking about having your desires, your values, your ambitions, your way of life changed by God's word. There's one final way that I'd like to encourage you with, how to receive God's word and let it be a transformational in your experience, and that is to tuck the word of God in your mind and carry it with you through the day, okay? So take it with you. The book of Psalms begins with a poem describing the life of the righteous. And the psalmist says that the person who lives faithfully to God's word is one who meditates on his law day and night. That's tucking his word in you and taking it with you. Take a verse, take a phrase, take a story, think about it. Let your mind return to it. Memorize it even. Let the word of God richly dwell in you. Let me just give you a quick illustration. How about Psalm 46, verse number 10? It says, be still and know that I am God. Simple, short, but powerful. Be still and know that I am God. Take those words, just those words. Live with them today. Let your mind return to them today. And say to yourself, as life is going on today, as best I can, I'm going to be still. As best I can, I'm going to make decisions based on God. As best I can, I'm going to live and listen to God's voice speaking to me. Today, today I'm not going to be tossed back and forth by anxiety and, and fear and anger. I'm going to be still. I'm going to be still and know that, that He, that you are God. I don't have to get my way. I don't have to defend myself. I don't have to run at the mouth <laughs> I can be still and know that, that he is God. Somebody once asked um, a great preacher of yesteryear, great preacher, a question. His name is G.K. Chesterton, one of the great orators of God's word. And they asked him a question. If you were marooned on a desert island and you could only have one book, what's the one book you would take? Now, everybody thought that he would say the Bible, right? No, not G.K. Chesterton. He said, well, I would have, I would want a guide to practical shipbuilding. <laughs> well, the point here is that if you're trapped on an island, you need to get off. Then the one book that will help you get home is the book you need. And friend, that is the Bible. <laughs> we are trapped on an island, Okay not an island like Hawaii. We are trapped on an I land. <laughs> Me, 
all about me, an island. That's where I'm trapped. I neither know myself nor do I fully know God. And God wants to, to make me in his image. He wants to transform my life. He wants to make me a blessing. He wants me to be a blessing. He wants me to be with him for forever. We need a message that can help us. We need a, a book that will help us. And that, my friend, is God's word. We're bombarded today. <laughs> bombarded from the screen, from print, from sounds all day long. And they take us in a thousand directions. A thousand directions. God speaks to us, though, through his word. God speaks to us, and he gives us the way. He gives us the truth. He gives us the life. And that word, empowered by God's spirit, can renew your heart. It can shape your thoughts. It can inspire your passions. If you will allow him every day, let your mind be bathed by God's word. I want to thank the Duffields and Olivia for just bringing us this thought again through song. Thank you.